You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 94. What does the United Nations offer to the campaign to end human trafficking? Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, I mentioned it on the last show that we have a great guest with us for this episode. And I'm so thrilled to welcome our guest today because she is... uh, partnered with the United Nations, and it's such an important organization for our global community and such an important organization in the efforts to end human trafficking. And I am just thrilled to be able to learn more today about some of the efforts at the UN and to connect with Deb and learn more about uh, the resources that the UN offers and, uh, and that we can continue to build bridges as well. Well, I'm very happy to introduce Deb O'Hara Ruskowski. One of my reasons I'm excited is because I met her at a hospital conference on the East Coast, and she is a registered nurse with multiple talents, an MBA, um, an MTS, a master's in in theology, and she, she is a member of the NGO Commission to Stop Trafficking in Persons at the United Nations, and her years of work in critical care Um, Her background in marketing and her background in serving and in philanthropic work, she is absolutely a gift to her community and has been and demonstrated that over over a a long history of serving in Boston, um, working with the Boston Archdiocese and curriculum with schools. It just goes on and on and we don't have that much time in our podcast. So let's welcome Deb. Hi. Hi, Sandy. Very nice to see you. I'll talk talk with you again, I should say, not see you. But it was great being with you um, when we were at that conference on human trafficking. Well, I don't think most people even knew the United Nations really was doing any work against human trafficking, but their program is called the United Nations GIFT. If you're looking it up online, you would just go to ungift.org. So tell us what that's about first. Well, you know, there's a lot of different um, committees that are are part of this UN GIFT. And GIFT is an acronym. GIFT stands for Global Initiative to Fight Trafficking. And so within that, within the United Nations, of course, you have members from all the various states and countries. However, you also have um, the Office of Drugs and Crime, uh, which is called U- UNODC. Everything's an acronym at the UN, of course. <laughs> but, um, you know, they do an incredible amount of work trying to gather statistics. And, you know, they have great challenges because they their statistics are only as good as those who report, self-report. So they're constantly trying to uh, gather up new and, and accurate and relevant data. Um, but the UN GIFT, has teamed up with my NGO that I'm on the Committee to Stop Trafficking in Persons. And we are a group of, I'm going to say, 40-plus organizations that make up 
oh gosh, religious lay, uh, law enforcement, legal entities, um, and, and so forth. And we make up the NGO that works at the, uh, the UN to fight trafficking. And what we will do is we will work alongside with the UN GIFT and whoever they team up. So, for instance, they've teamed up with an organization out of the UK called Stop the Traffic. And, and your listeners are certainly welcome to, you know, Google them and stopthetraffic.org. They, have, they are the creators of what's called the gift box, um, taking the name from the UN gift. And it's now situated in five different countries. And it is an actual exhibit. It's really a metaphor because it looks like a wrapped up gift. And so it lures people with curiosity into inside to see, you know, to welcome them, just like the lure of human trafficking. And once inside, there's true-to-life stories, usually localized to the area in which the uh, gift box is situated. And now those stories uh, depict uh, trafficked persons, survivors, and the like, and, and their plight in that world. So... Um, we have been, our NGO has met with the founder of Stop the Traffic, and they have really charged us and pleaded with us to try and expand the presence of the UN gift box all around. So a little bit about the background about the gift box, which uh, the play on the acronym for the United Nations Initiative, Global Initiative Fighting Trafficking, um, mm-hmm. is is it's wonderful. I love that. So I'm going to have a gift box. And mm-hmm. that was first launched in at the London Olympics, right? In 2012? That's correct. Okay. Um, and that was one of the first ones. And it's now in five different countries. But the U.S. debut happened a year ago during the Super Bowl. Okay, during the New Super York Bowl. City. So what, how big is a gift box? Okay, it's it's an actual exhibit, so it is a thousand pounds, ten feet high, seven foot um, on its foundation, and then it extends. I, I don't want to say seven foot square, really, because it then extends with the internal storyboard where people walk through it. So, um, you know, it might be a, a seven foot square with extensions for the storyboard. Okay, but this is. Um, you know, a fairly large exhibit requires um, some assembly and disassembly, and ha- they have strict specifications for it um, to be used, you know, around the world. But they want a certain trademark, if you will, uh, to know that it's it's part of the gift box initiative. Out of the United Nations. So it's it's like a walk-in piece of art. It's an interactive it, you art know, experience. You know, it's interesting you say that. They do describe it as a piece of art. It, it is, in fact, um, with its specifications of how to be built, uh, very, very uh, detailed. Um, th- this is also the primary purpose for this gift box is to raise awareness and education to people that otherwise may not even know um, that human trafficking exists or um, even worse, they may think it's only over far, far away from their, their own neighborhoods, uh, their own country. They may think it's all, in the, from the United States standpoint, they may think it's only in Africa or India or China. Um, people in New York, when it was here, they were astonished to learn that um, human trafficking 
exists right here in the city. So um, it's really an awareness and educational tool. But more importantly, I don't know, um, I, well, I do know how you are, so you could resonate with this. When Once I become aware and then become educated about something, then I want to know what I can do about it. So uh, we actually have takeaways to give to people, to n- let them know what exactly they can do um, once upon learning about this uh, plight of other other human beings. So if, and you know, of course, that we're going to want to do this in California, if we're putting this together in California, what will the storyboards look like inside? Or is that like giving away the gift? You have to wait to open it? No. No, that's okay. Um, You know, we try very, very hard um, to localize it to every single site, host site. So, um, for instance, I'm working on two initiatives, bringing the gift box to both Boston area um, and Haiti. So one's international, one's, of course, within the United States. Even though we could replicate the New York gift box very easily because the builder has already done it once and we could easily replicate it. When I'm talking with Homeland Security, the mayor's office, various people um, that represent vulnerable populations there in the Boston and greater Boston area, they have interesting stories for themselves. And each one has said, oh, no, 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 we want our own stories. So there are specifications for how many stories can be part of it. And, um, and, you know, how writing it, how one should write it up and submit it. But what is important is that although they are very factually true, they are protected, the names are protected. Um, the photographs are usually by um, actors or actresses. And we try to make it timeless so we don't uh, add specific dates. So it can, be, it can be utilized over and over. Okay, so I'm hearing three principles. It's timeless, it's local, and it protects the identity of the victims. That's correct. So if you were to have the gift box out there in California, we would probably work with some of the um, organizations that are in existence currently um, fighting trafficking, and whether it be the law enforcement or an NGO or, or something out there. And usually people have research and stories about real-life scenarios. So, and we would submit that to the builder who would incorporate it, it into being customized strictly for your area. Okay. So, um, uh, you know, we have listeners way beyond California. So where are the cities where this has already been done in the United States? Oh, it just had its debut in New York City, and that's it. Um, So right now, yep, this is really hot off the press in regard to a new um, initiative. And that's why I think people are are really resonating with it. People have been working in this area now for decades, um, unbeknownst to me, because I'm pretty new to the, um, the, the fight against trafficking. And I will tell you that they are um, receiving this with open arms and very welcoming because some of the comments back to me have been, um, gosh, you know, we've reached a plateau. We're not sure what to do next. Some people have burned out and left us, um, you know, just left the effort altogether. This is really rejuvenating and um, really putting in just a, a new excitement 
um, if that if they, if this type of work can be exciting and and it's very hard to keep that up, um, outlook because it is so sobering and sad. But if you look at it as such that here's a new dynamic of a way of reaching people and educating them, and it's just a little creative. So the only place thus far it has been is New York. Okay. Um, I said that was during the Super Bowl last year. Now, since that time, many places in New York have requested for it. So not only does the UN have the exhibit there, but now it will appear and go to the Port Authority. And there, there are various places, and the Port Authority is a very um, important place for it to be mm. because you know some of the trafficked uh, victims you know, get taken by t- various transportation methods. So this is a very important uh, strategic place for it to be put. I'm working in Boston. Um, I thought initially I'd take it, put it in Boston College campus where I recently graduated from with my master's in theology and just knowing people and contacts, and I thought it would be very simple. Well, you know, with trafficking, nothing's simple, and there are so many people working on this. So when word got out, it not um, not only uh, traveled to other academic institutions, the word meaning that uh, it was coming and interest was peaked, but it got to the mayor's office, and then I found myself sitting in Homeland Security as well. And this is the area that people are just so excited to see something new come into um, town. Now, Mayor Marty Walsh has a very, um, very strong team focused on ending demand. And I, um, and this is where they're not just going after the uh, let's say the prostitutes, but they're going after the people that are providing the services and committing the crimes and setting it up, the Johns, the pimps, and everyone else involved. So um, when it was in New York, 122 arrests were made, but they were all prostitutes. So that's what the legal community here in New York is working on, something that Boston has done already, and that's changed the laws and changing the laws to really look at all the various perpetrators involved. Um, and, that, and Boston now has four sites that have signed up to have it each week. Okay, and so you guys are going to host it in different places to make it more accessible to the community and different audiences. Um, yes. when, when you're talking about um, uh, teaching through that and and you know one of the things that we've seen nationally is the move away from using the term even prostitute and talking about people who are commercially sexually exploited and we're using here um, the victim-centered approach so that uh, we offer offer services and an escape from that life and uh, ways mm-hmm. to reduce demand that's really a growing area so the, it's clear that the gift box can be very localized in as as far as the context but mm-hmm. um tell me what kind of a budget does a group or a, a collaborative effort need to put together to to build their own um mm-hmm. gift box that they might share in a particular region Sure. That's a great question. And you'll be surprised, I think, to hear how reasonable it is. I certainly was. Um, To build 
that the entire effort in, in New York City cost just under $35,000. Now in Boston, I am having, we could have borrowed New York's box or built our own. And because of the great interest in wanting to, it to go from place to place and, and different areas and venues, um, we decided to have our own built with our own stories. That's going to cost close to a little under 14000 which includes all the stories that are, um, are the storyboard that's created in, inside of it. It includes the uh, transportation and delivery of it as well. Now, of course, Boston's a lot closer to New York than, and, than um, lots, you know, California is. However, um, what we do is try to um, find local contractors, um, and the specifications are all spelled out for anybody that does any type of construction work. And that now that we have someone in the United States that's already built it, He's willing to be a consultant to any any wow. contractor around the, so around the state. So somewhere between fourteen and thirty thirty five thousand dollars to to do this. That's correct. If you want to, that in, you know, and that would include some of the training that's involved in the staff. Uh, we typically want eight to ten people staffing the box on a daily basis, um, and that is and that training includes how to deal with people that um, may approach you that you suspect might be part of trafficking. And so we go through role playing and things like that. So you're um, creating you're you're creating um opportunities for people to be part of this movement to end human trafficking, whether they're um designers or construction or volunteers um manning the gift box when it's out on the street. Um, exactly right. And storing it when it's not in use. Um, you know, really helping out um, any way, shape, or form that they, and and it exposes them to the the horrors and the plight of human trafficking. So yes, you're absolutely right. It is a movement, and it kind and, of kind of engages the local um, community with you mentioned like Homeland Security and the Sheriff's Department, those kinds of things, and so. Um, that's that's a really valuable way to build collaboration anywhere. It really is, Sandy. And you know what else? So many people, when they hear about human trafficking, and I'm sure you get this in your, in your travels as well, it's overwhelming. It's like, what could I possibly do to even that, to even make a, a, a lick of difference? And Deb, that and, is exactly what our previous podcast is. And as we kind of go into the downhill side of this podcast, I really want to hear how you decided and what was your pathway so that you saw engaging with the United Nations as your strategic place to use your expertise, your experience, and your resources to end human trafficking. How did that happen for you? For me, it was... um towards the tail end of my um, master's degree program at Boston College. And a professor came up to me and said, so you have a background in critical care nursing. You got your MBA and worked in, you know, international healthcare marketing for a time. Now you're getting your master's in theology. What the heck are you going to do with it? And I thought for a minute and I said, you know, what I would like to do is really combine my love for healthcare and, and business and my faith and do something 
that will really make a difference. I realized when I had worked on the archdiocesan level, um, as a, instead of the parish level, I was able to reach more people. I was able to make more of a significant difference on a larger scale. So when the professor said to me, would you be interested in considering working at the United Nations, that analogy jumped in my head. A venue where you can make a larger difference. Will it be hierarchically slow and painful like the the church was? Absolutely. In fact, the UN puts the Catholic Church to shame in that (laughs) regard, and I say that respectfully. But, you know, if you can handle that type of... um, challenge, then you really know that you're going to reach more people, make a larger difference. And so when the human trafficking um, suggestion came to me and they gave me a person to look up and contact, I immediately took to it and said, here is, an, here is a situation, uh, I don't want to call it a movement, but here is a plight in the world a horror that's happening in the world, that I can utilize my skill set from healthcare, from business, from, you know, a faith base, and, and truly dig in and try to make a difference. And I'll tell you, I'm using all those skills. Give me and, some examples of what, making, what your it's skills. And making my life more fulfilled. So give me some examples of your particular skills and how you're using them for this. Okay, so... Um, I gave a presentation. Now, first of all, in having um, time working at Hewlett Packard, you didn't go anywhere without slides and PowerPoints and presentations. So my my ability of giving presentations is pretty sound after so many years' experience. So now we created, uh, myself along with um, another person on the NGO, created a PowerPoint with embedded videos to be utilized in any any place that anybody wants to take it to, to educate, be it a corporation for business, be it a um, you know, hospital, be it a, a company, a school, a parish, any place. So I actually gave a recent um, presentation at the Bowery Mission, which is a very, um, very old and, and um, established uh, homeless shelter system and here in New York. And we had lots of people that were part of the, um, their health care group. And so, you know, this is something that they deal with all the time and they needed to talk about signs and symptoms and how to deal with some of the people that are coming in and, and how it, does it differ from domestic violence. And my years of working in the emergency room, certainly, you know, I leveraged that. And then the new information I'm learning from the, the people in the human trafficking um, uh, world. So those two, and then, of course, my faith and the, the whole social justice, or I should say injustice of it all, um, really rings true in my heart and, and in my beliefs, my belief system. So, you know, combining it all, I just feel that the, this is an area that I'm, um, I've given presentations in my church, I've given presentations to huge corporations, and, and I just gave one recently, like I said, at a homeless shelter. And, so. and it crosses all different venues. So when, if you were recommending this to someone else that didn't have a nursing background or, or a business and marketing background, um, what would you recommend for them as far as getting involved in what the United Nations is doing? 
out there's any, really any level you can think of. Um, let me give you an example. Um, there's a, this came from Ruth Derny, the CEO founder of Stop the Traffic and, and the creator of the gift box. So um, there's a big argument of like, why don't we just go in there and rescue people? Well, as she uh, articulated, said, um, you know, you can go into an India sweatshop and take out a, a busload of uh, young boys and girls who are being forced to, to work there. But in two days time, uh, two, three more buses will go in. And you're, you're, you know, you're almost shoveling against the tide. It's just so frustrating. But if that's what you, and although I say leave the rescuing to some of the profession, professionals at Homeland Security, the CSIs, and all the various professional people. But what we can do, and I say we, as anybody, whether it be professional, non-professional, young kids, she shared a story of a nine-year-old. You teach them. Teach them what human trafficking is. What does it mean? Yes, it's 80% sexual exploitation, 20% forced labor and organ harvesting, but get down to what it really means in everyday life. And when you're talking to kids in school, that might mean what they're doing on the internet, who they're going to meet at the mall, things like that. Very, they're so frustrated as adolescents that their parents, they have to think twice about running away. Because on average, it takes two times before traffickers pick up those kids that run away. So, so not to scare these kids, but you have to let them know what's going on. So what can they do? Well, gosh, maybe it's as simple as not doing fair trade products and uh, free, free trade products, such as, you know, uh, making sure their chocolate isn't from the areas that our, our people are being um, forced to work in. So um, your, your work with the United Nations really came about because of your passion to get involved in this issue. And now you serve on this as a member of, of this NGO commission, and mm -hmm. you're making a difference with this project, the gift box. Um, you're making a difference doing presentations, and you're helping create takeaways that are local for future mm -hmm presentations. I think one of your projects is going to be in Haiti, which yes, has yes. huge... I'm actually leaving there next week for the um, to have meetings and discussions about putting the gift box there. And because United Nations is about more than the U.S., and we do have listeners globally as well, um, mm -hmm. talk to me just a little bit about how the gift box will go international and where it already is. Okay. So right now, like I mentioned, it's in five different countries. It's in, um, oh my gosh, uh, Ireland, England, um, Brazil. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, uh, I think it's Colombia, and uh, so now this will be the first time going to Haiti. Hey, and when you you have to get a local person to build the box, um, according to its specifications. You need it to team up with an organization who is working in, in country, um, who can provide you with local stories as well as provide you with uh, uh, various people interested in helping you and that will be trained to staff the box. Um, these are, and there's something unique to every country. So let me use Haiti as an, uh, one example. Um, they have what's called Restavix. And Sandy, you, you're probably aware of it, but your listeners may not be. And so what, in, in addition to 
um, sexual exploitation. They have children that um, are picked up and sold into other Haitian homes as slaves. And mm. typically they're sold on the promise of a better life. They'll be fed, they'll be educated, etc. Um, really playing on the um, abject poverty that's existing there. And so somebody will sell them or give them away for a better life, thinking that. Well, that child often doesn't have nearly as good a life as they had because they're they're forced to be a slave for that family, oftentimes for children that are even less uh, that are younger than they are. Mm. So, and then it often leads to sexual exploitation and and um, abuse. So, the rest of that uh, foundation is is in Haiti, and we really need to educate not just the um, people there about the situation, but also the healthcare system. You know, I've been going down to Haiti for nine years now and um, doing uh, nursing education and um, and improving, you know, staff development. And, and we actually were setting up a curriculum for the first accredited nursing school there. And I will tell you, this uh, Hopital Sac occurs in the northern part. It's been in place for 27 years. And I'm going to be giving a presentation on what human trafficking is and what it's all about and what the clinical signs and symptoms are for them to look for. Um, mm. They're a culture that doesn't like to, they know about it, but they don't talk about it. So um, so the gift box in Haiti will bring a lot more um, conversation Absolutely. to the table locally. Absolutely. Because I know, I know a number of people that have been going to Haiti. I think of Dr. Laura Letter, who's been a, a regular guest at the Insure Justice Conference here at Vanguard every often, and a guest on this podcast, and her work in Haiti and with healthcare. And I, um, it, this it just really reinforces some of our strategies about how we coordinate and the idea of working with United Nations for mm-hmm. our listeners. I think you've opened an amazing door. Our time's running out, but um, I want people to think about this in terms of how you're going to plan using your expertise and resources, just like Deb has done in impacting and moving this um, ending human trafficking movement forward. And Deb, you are inspired. Inspiring. I just want to go build a box. And I'm hoping that there are listeners across well, the nation and globally that will be interested in following up. So quickly tell me how they contact the Gift Box Project. Okay. Um, well, we do have an um, email for the NGO, and that is N-G-O-C-S-T-I-P. So, Committee to Stop Trafficking in Person. So, it's all one word, N-G-O-C-S-T-I-P at gmail.com. Um, they can also go on stopthetraffic.org, and traffic is spelled with a K with that. That's all one word as well. That's the UK organization that created the gift box, and they'll see many, many write-ups about the gift box. Um, they can also contact me if they like, debohara1 at aol.com. And they can um, ask me questions. I'll be happy to send them information about it. But I think the best thing they can do is educate themselves, share the knowledge, um, get involved, get involved, possibly organize a gift box in their area, uh, donate to organizations fighting trafficking, and, of course, report any anything you might suspect to law, local law enforcement. 
Deb, so, um, we, yeah. we just appreciate your time and your energy and what you are doing at an, at an international level. And we will invite you back. We'll, we'd love to um, consider strategic planning so that we can partner with you more uh, out here at the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Well, and thank you again, Deb. Sandy, I've been listening to the conversation between you both, and it's just so exciting to see what Deb has done and the UN has done to bring this resource and, and like she said, almost uh, art, really, to allow this conversation to continue and to raise awareness. And, you know, speaking of raising awareness, that's very much our mission, too, is to study the issues, be a voice, and be able to make a difference. And we would love to hear from you if this conversation today has raised comment or question or feedback you have for us, or if you'd like to connect with Deb, be sure to check out the show notes. And the best way to do that is to go to gcwj.vanguard.edu, and you'll be able to find there the notes for all the podcasts. You can also reach us by email, gcwj.vanguard.edu, or phone, and you can talk to Alexis, who's amazing at our Global Center for Women and Justice, and her number is 714-966-6360. And Sandy, I'm uh, so glad to chat with you again, and, and I'm grateful that Deb took her time to share her wisdom with us today. Thanks, Dave.